Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. So we're gonna we're gonna look at we're gonna continue and we're gonna look at John. Uh, we're gonna stay in First John chapter two. We're gonna look at verses eighteen to twenty-seven. Remember, if you miss any of the older uh, sermons, uh, they should be updating um, on the podcast or on the website or on Facebook. You can just follow up and catch up with any of those. Uh, but we have to remember that this is a series, so. Uh, I may not mention certain things I mentioned before, even though it applies to all this, what I'm about to read, but you can just easily go back and whatever applies in the other messages kind of applies here, okay? So we have to remember that John was speaking and when he was speaking, he was being very uh, loving, right? So even though it sounds like all these messages are going to be hard messages to deal with and and to kind of take on, they're they're in a loving way. He was speaking in a loving way. And that's the same sense that we're going to continue as we go through. Uh, today's message and, and the rest, okay? So once you find First uh, John chapter 2, 18 and 27, uh, I ask that you may rise so we can read it. It says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive anyone should teach you but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as has taught you abide in him father in heaven lord thank you again for this time thank you for this opportunity you've given us lord to come together as a family lord to to just worship together with you father and and just continue our walk father we ask at this moment that you can allow us to understand the words that you have for us. Allow us to receive it. Open our hearts and our minds to understand and to learn, Father, so we can live this out the way you've called us to, Lord. Father, I pray that you be the one who speak, not me, Father. And, and that we receive the words that you have and not my words, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you guys have ever gone to a... a a museum. Uh, I, I, few, I don't like museums, but I've gone to a few museums. Uh, and when you go to museums, there's usually two types of museums, right? You have one that is usually kind of takes a linear path, right? You enter the museum in one door, and you kind of just follow the same path and just the same road and the same sites and everything until you kind of make it to the end. There's no real way to go anywhere. There's only one real path to the museum. You kind of enter one way and you exit another way. There's no multiple exits or unless it's an emergency, of course. But there's one way in, one way out. You get to see everything, everything that you don't miss anything unless you're kind of maybe sleeping or you're just not paying attention. You tend not to miss nothing. You can't just walk through and you catch everything. And then you have those that are nonlinear museums, right, which is kind of has a whole bunch of different uh, sections, you know, they all kind of connect. You can go one if you want, 
that you can go to the other. You can spend two hours looking at mummies or something, and then you know jump over to you know dinosaurs or something like that. But in those kind of museums, you kind of tend to walk in in many different ways. There's stairs, there's elevators. Uh, you can get to anywhere at any time. But you, you, you tend to kind of miss things, right? Because if you spend too much time, you know, the only time you know that it's done is because they're closing the museum or you're hungry enough to go eat something and then you're done, right? So you tend to miss something. And then when you look at the Bible, it kind of has those kind of features, right? Where, where sometimes you have letters and, and books that kind of just follow a theme and they just kind of straight through. But then you have those who kind of... Uh, almost everywhere all the times and have talked about different things at different times. And, and John is kind of like that. Sometimes you see uh, John talk about one thing, all of a sudden he stops and then talks about something else, and then he kind of brings it back, right? He's talking about love one time, and then he, today you're going to see he's talking about one thing. And, and last week you saw he brought something back from the beginning of his letter after he had changed uh, what he was talking about. So you're going to see that through John, but... Uh, but because of this, we have to uh, remember that John, he ultimately wanted to communicate uh, with the readers that a spirit-enabled fellowship with the Father and the Son produces not only just a joyful life, it produces a clean life, a discerning life, and a confident life. And as you know, if you notice, we kind of already mentioned two of those. We talked about how, how with the fellowship that we have, with God, with those brothers and sisters, when you look at that fellowship, you can have, you, you see the outcome of that, and it's a joyful life, right? And then last week, we kind of looked at how it is to have a clean life. It wasn't, John wasn't saying, hey, you don't sin. You're not, uh, it's possible for you to never sin. No, he's saying, hey, this is what it takes for you not to sin. You follow this, and you probably never sin. But then he also made it aware that, hey, but if you do, we have someone who's there for us, which is Jesus Christ, right? So now, and even though John kind of seems like he will be a very bad tour guide for a museum, right? Because I wouldn't want to jump everywhere when I go to a museum, right? But it kind of all works together, right? When he, when he writes this and he talks, it kind of all goes together. Because without a relationship with God... We can't understand the truth, and without knowing the truth, we can't not have a true relationship with God. Okay, so though both of those things go well together, you can't separate them. One doesn't come before the other. Uh, they both work at the same time, in the same place, and you need both of those. So kind of for the next four weeks, maybe four to five weeks, I think it's just four weeks, uh, we're going to look at how we, have a we can have a discerning life and and that takes a little long because there's a lot to this. You know, we, it's, it's easier to talk about one thing, but this has a lot of different ways to look at it. Uh, and we're going to take a look at that, right? And this is one of the things that many, even, even mature Christians, have a hard time with. Understanding and knowing exactly what the truth is. Being able to spot the faults and the errors in everything that's happening, right? We have that issue already as it is. Uh, we, we, we have a hard time... Uh, trying to to see what it is the light and what it is walking in darkness, right? Sometimes we mix, mix that up. We think we're walking in light when we're actually walking in darkness. And that's something we have already. It's a problem that we have now. So that's why I'm going, that's why I think he kind of takes a little more time in his letter to kind of point this out and help us through that, right? So that's what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I think right now, the church has a major problem with false teachings. And that's my personal idea. I mean, that's my personal belief. I can see everything that's happening. And to me, the church has a huge problem with false teaching. And I'm sure I can ask you guys, and you guys will agree with me, but this is something that we actually need to be careful with and we need to uh, pay attention. Just as a matter of fact, just this week I was talking to, uh, to my brother Eddie and and we were talking about Todd White's, Todd White's last message, right? He posted his last message, and he sent it to me. Hey, what do you think? And we had a conversation, and we were looking at what things that he was saying was wrong and the things that he was saying was right. But what kind of, to me, shocked me the most is that the, the applause in the, in the church was coming for the things that he was saying wrong, right? And the things he was saying right, people were kind of just quiet. 
So we were like, okay, that's pretty messed up. He's saying a lot of weird things, kind of like, I never want to hear that in church. But that's when people were like, yeah, yeah, man. Uh. I was like, okay. Right? And just listening to the radio this week, the Christian news, right, we were, they were talking about how in Europe, I believe it was, uh, I can't remember the person's name, but there's a self-proclaimed witch on, uh, she has an, I believe it was an Instagram account or something like that. And she has more followers than all those who belong to the church, right? All those churches and all that. Her following was so much higher than if you put all the church's uh, followings together. So it's like people are looking and people are being uh, lied to about things and they're eating it up. People are following these things. People are, 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 are okay with listening to these lies and these false things. And they're okay with that. They want it. They want to hear it. That's a big problem. So I think the next couple of weeks are going to be of great benefit. And we're going to start by looking at how to deal with those who try to deceive us. Right? That's a huge problem. I don't like to be deceived. So John is going to go into that and he's going to talk about how not to be deceived by those who are teaching false teachings. And today I'm going to expand a little on the context. I'm going to go a little bit longer on the context specifically that I'm used to, but uh, just kind of bear with me. I, I, I make it up with the points being a little shorter, so don't think I'm going to go as long as last week, okay? Uh, and I believe this is, this is going to be very helpful because not only is it helpful for us, but John is exposing those who are in the church that are false teachers, those who are coming out of the church and being false teachers. Uh, and But John is going to do even what he does. He even, he even kind of rattles the cages, right? Because no false teachers ever likes to be exposed. No one likes to be called out. I hate when somebody goes, hey, I think you might have gotten something wrong. I'm like, yeah, I did. Oh, don't tell me. You know? And then I kind of take it personal. Oh, why are you picking on me, right? So imagine a false teacher speaking false and somebody calling them out. And that's what kind of uh, John does. It kind of rattles the cage a little bit. I'm going to do a little bit of rattling the cage as well uh, because there's nothing more uh, worse than being spiritually deceived, right? To me, that's just big. You, uh, we can be deceived, but spiritually, when that comes, when I see that, that's a different story to me, right? We may not like to be deceived altogether, right? But when we are deceived, we are either losing something, right? We can either lose something, like, well, uh, you know, you deceived me. You, you sold me a laptop that was $60, told me it was good. But now I can't even power it on. So now I feel deceived, right? And you'll be like, oh, that sucks, right? But sometimes it's spiritually. And spiritually has a long-term effect. You can just go and get a new laptop. You know, not from that guy, but from somebody else getting your laptop, right? And it's going, but when it's spiritually, it has longer effects. So whenever things of the Spirit are involved, I get a little bit overprotective, right? I hear it all the time. When I'm just walking around and I hear somebody telling a believer something else that's not true, my blood just boils. I just, man, I get mad. You know, I've, and I've said this before, and, I've, and you guys, the worship leaders, we don't celebrate that. We don't applaud at sin. We don't. We don't teach each other false things. We teach each other the correct things. Because if you would love each other, you teach the correct things. The right things, the truth, not the lies. Right? And the reason I get so mad is because the spiritual deception can lead to some rejecting or even disowning faith. Right? If you continue to teach false things to those people, eventually they're going to be like, I don't want to have nothing to do with this. No, no, no. I'm done. So they leave. They don't want to have nothing to do with God, nothing to do with anything. They even just reject God altogether. They're just going, God's not real because you guys are contradicting each other and everybody's talking nonsense. Who cares? No one wants to know anything. And even come to a point that you might actually reject those who are telling the truth. Right? Because the truth hurts. And then we have those who are constantly telling the truth. But then we have those who are constantly telling the lies, because they want to make you feel good. And then here I come, tell you the truth, and we're like, man, this guy's always making me feel bad. This guy sucks. I don't want to talk to him anymore. Right? So we have that. We have that. We have that problem. That's why we need to make sure that we understand uh, how to properly uh, 
catch those who are false teachers and who are doing false teaching and catch those false teachings as well. Now John here refers to uh, what these false teachers are called and they're called Antichrist, right? But John is going to go into two types of Antichrist, right? He's, he, uh, he mentions the two types and I'm, I want to kind of break it down so we can fully understand uh, the impact that this has. The first thing I want to look at is the Antichrist. And when if you look at John verse 18, John starts talking about the Antichrist itself. When he says, children, it is the last hour as you have heard the, that Antichrist is coming. Okay, here he's talking about the Antichrist, right? We all kind of are aware of what the Bible refers to as the Antichrist, right? The main Antichrist that's going to come. Right? Jesus is coming, right? So who, who exactly is this Antichrist? If we can kind of look at it, John lived with the expectation that Jesus wasn't going to come, you know, uh, during his time, just like most of us do, right? Uh, and when he's making his statement, he's talking about the one to come, right? And the name Antichrist is important to understand. And it kind of means... When you look at uh, Antichrist, the prefix of anti uh, can mean either the opposite of or instead of, right? So when you put it together, it's the opposite of Christ or instead of Christ. Uh, so generally speaking, it's the opposite of Jesus or he can be, he is the instead of Jesus. Uh, and then contrary to what most people believe, the Antichrist is not going to come as an evil person. Right? People look, think Antichrist and then go, oh, someone who's going to be evil. And we're going to spot him because he's going to be so bad. And we're going to be like, oh, that's the Antichrist. Put on the chip. Let's go. No, he's not. Okay? Instead, he will be more of a instead of Jesus. Right? Right? You look at Jesus and he's going to be like, whatever Jesus is offering, it's not enough for you. But I have something that you desire that I can give you that Jesus can't. Right? That's the idea. He's going to come bringing just like great things. And, and he's going to be, uh, uh, you know, like a very peaceful individual. Right? John Hears refers to an individual who will capture the imagination of many people, including those who know the Bible and, and those who don't. Right? The Bible is clear that even those who know Christ will be fooled by the Antichrist because he's going to be such a good guy. Right? And when you look at times like today and you're like, I can definitely need a good guy right now, right? So um, we all can, right? He will look wonderful. He's going to be charming. He's going to be successful. He will be the ultimate winner. And he's going to appear like if he was the angel of light. And we're all going to buy this and we're all going to eat this up. And it's like, wow, this guy is amazing. But he's going to come preaching what the world wants to hear, not what the world needs to hear. Right? The Antichrist is an individual, but he also is going to be associated with a powerful government. So he's not going to just do this on his own, right? He's going to have a group of people with him, and he's going to have government, and, and, and we're going to buy into this stuff, right? And when I say we, I'm not talking about me, so. And you'll see why. And I hope there's none of you guys either. So essentially, the Antichrist is a world dictator who leads humanity into what seems to be the golden age, until he shows his true color. And then judgment of God is poured out on him and the entire humanity immediately before Jesus returns, right? So this is who John starts to talk about, but that is not the main focus, okay? So we're not going to talk about that Antichrist. We're going to talk about what John refers to as the many Antichrists. And John is making a distinction, and we can see that when we read the second half of verse 8. It says, so now many antichrists, or he's being plural, more than one, have come. Therefore, we know that the hour... The Jesus returned because there are... ...from anywhere teaching the idea that's going to be contradicting of what Christ brought in order to try to replace Christ altogether. 
there's going to be a whole bunch of antichrists. Little versions of the big version. They're going to be bringing an idea little by little. They're going to come kind of warm up the idea of something that can kind of replace who Christ is. Right? And that's the best way of doing it. I think personally, if that's the best way you're going to, you know, put an idea on someone, you do it little by little. You don't do it all at once. They're going to reject it. Right? The first thing, I'll give you this uh, kind of, uh, something they told me um, when I started pastoring. And I can tell you now because it's almost two years. So at this point, if you didn't leave, that's fine. <laughs> but when, when, I was, when, when I started, the first thing they told me was, hey, the changes that you're going to make, do it little by little. And then they told me the story about a pastor, a church who had a pastor, right? And the pastor retired. So they brought in a pastor, New pastor. The pastor came, didn't like the way the piano was placed, so he grabbed the piano and he moved it to the corner. Well, the pastor got fired because they didn't like the change. They were like, no, that's no, what are you doing? Leave the piano where it is. No, get out of here. The pastor left. Now the pastor was brought in, he didn't like where the piano was. So he moved the piano. Got fired. We don't want you here. Then another pastor came in, but he didn't touch the piano. Every day, every Sunday, he moved the piano just a little bit. And then he moved it just a little bit. I mean, just a little bit. Eventually, the piano was in the corner, but nobody cared. Because they were already used to seeing the piano not where they were. And by the time it got to the corner, they were fine with it. So that pastor stayed. Right? So it's the same idea. The Antichrist is going to come little by little, infiltrating little bit of Antichrist, of the opposite of crisis, into humanity, into the church, into people. That way, when the ultimate Antichrist comes... You can say, well, I'm okay with that. You're already used to it, right? And of course, this is going to lead and make way for the final Antichrist. So this means there's going to be a smaller version of the Antichrist. And according to John, there's going to be many. There's going to be a lot of them. Now, these Antichrists can come from anywhere in the world. I mean, and from any type of religion, right? If, if you know that. Pretty much every other religion preaches against Jesus, right? Uh, in a way, maybe uh, Catholics don't, but then again, if you look at the whole theology of them, you, at the end, yes, they do, but still. And you look at uh, maybe like the Muslims, right? They preach against the, you know, they preach and deny Jesus as being uh, the deity, right? Being God. So that's a form of Antichrist. But this is what's scary about what John is saying. John is warning not about other religions. He's talking about people that at one point or another, they identify themselves with Christian communities. These are people who at some point were part of the church. That's what makes this so scary. He's warning not about those who are not of the church. He's warning about those of the church. You can see that in verse 19. I'm not going to read it, but you can go back and see it. So who are these antichrists? Right? Who are these many antichrists that he's talking about, right? And if we can expand it, these, these are the types of antichrists that we like to call apostates, right? I think I'm saying that right. I, I tend to butcher these really difficult words, right? And to be clear, John wasn't talking about those who leave, you know, one church to go to another good church. Right? He's not talking about those people, right? Or someone who falls or has a season of struggle and doubt and then kind of leaves the church and then comes back when they're like, okay, you know, we all have those struggles and those doubts, right? We all go through that. And we have seasons where we kind of separate ourselves from God, but eventually he brings us back. He's not talking about those people, okay? Neither one of those. These are actually men and women who teach whatever is contrary to one's belief. And in this case, it's specifically to Christ. So these are people that are preaching contrary to what Christ preached. So it's basically those who leave the truth of Christ to preach something completely different. Anyone who preaches what is not true is against God. And if anyone, and if you are preaching against God, even if you're still in the visible church, you're not part of the invisible church. You're not. Because the moment you preach something that's not true of Christ, you're no longer part of that. Because we all need to be preaching the same thing and it's 
clear what we need to be preaching. And when I say preaching, I can involve conversations and and teaching and some, if you're a teacher or if you're just helping somebody, not just somebody who stands up here and preaches. These are people who are false teachers who offer a false Christ and a false gospel. These are professing Christians who reject and deny the Father and the Son. You can see that in verse 22. So these are people in the church who are calling themselves believers. These are people who came who, from the church but really were never part of the church. These are people who are guilty of just straight out heresy. These can also be those who leave the body of Christ altogether. I mean, because we don't just don't have people who are in the church preaching false, and we have people who leave the church altogether. They're like, I'm done with the church. So when they go out to the to the streets, they just talk so much bad about the church because they dislike the church. So now their job is to make the church's life a living hell. So there we go. Now you go outside and you trash this church because you didn't like what they had to say. Those are all those people as well. Or even those who think they're more than, than, than what the church is. They're better than the church. They know more than the church. So I don't need to be part of a church because look at all these hypocrites in here. I don't need this. I'm better than all these people. So I don't come to church. I don't go to any church. But I'll do church on my own, in my own house, because I can do it better than any one of us here can. Those are those people. Now we know the specific of who the Antichrist, those many Antichrists John is talking about. And this seems like it's a growing problem in the church during the time that John was writing this. So much that John looked at it as if it was a sign that Christ was coming back. It was a problem because he was like, okay, Jesus is coming. Because it was a problem. Because he, he related those many Antichrists to the Antichrist. So John was saying, oh snap, Jesus is coming. Just because Christ didn't return in his time doesn't mean that what he was saying was false. Okay, because you can say, well, he was wrong then, so why are we talking about this? No, he wasn't wrong. Okay, he wasn't mistaken. You know, as time passed, you know, as, as, you know, from the day Jesus Christ died, the amount of false teachers have begun to show up everywhere. And I can, you can look at today, back from when I was a kid, and, and some, of, some of us here are probably younger and, and, don't have us haven't seen as much as some might be a little older than me and I've seen even more but the amount of false teaching when I was a kid is almost nothing compared to what I've seen nowadays and I know there's more media and more stuff but maybe that's the case where more people are just listening to a lot of garbage because now there's Facebook and we can watch the garbage they're preaching in somewhere else here but the amount of garbage that's being preached is a lot all that false and all that things that everybody's believing and thinking and their own opinions, all that has kind of begun to overshadow those who teach the truth. And I know that's because those who are teaching the truth usually don't have as big of a church as those who are teaching false. Right? We kind of tend to stay a little bit. Uh, there are a few exceptions. This is not an absolute okay, statement. There's a few exceptions. But it's hard to grow a church when you're not necessarily tickling each other's uh, ears, right? I want to give you a few examples, actually, just within the last two years. We have Hillsong, United Songwriter, who worshipped leader. His name was Marty Sampson, right? You remember Marty Sampson? I talked about it a few times, right? He was writing songs for Hillsong, right? He came out speaking against the church. He dropped the church and came out speaking against the church. He came from the church, left the church, and speaking against the church. You see what I'm talking about? He was talking about so many so-called contradictions in the Bible. There's tons of contradictions in the Bible, and no one talks about it. Right? We had a whole Bible study just on what this guy was saying, right? because none of it was true. You know, we don't talk about how there's never any miracles. You know, we don't talk about how preachers fall. We don't talk about none of that. We talk about how Christians are judgmental people and, and how can God make people suffer. No one talks about this teaching false things, right? Because we do talk about it. 
And we have writers like Jen Harbmaker. I don't know if you guys ever heard of her. Apparently, my wife knows who she was, and, and it seems like a lot of women know who she is because she's a, she's a, a female writer who writes specifically for women, right? And she wrote a book, and she spends 12 chapters exploring statements like who I am and what I need and what I want and what I believe and how I, can, can, I, uh, how I connect, preaching gospel who's self-centered. Me, 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 me. What about me, how I feel, how I can be better, me, me, me. And we all know that's contradicting to what Jesus taught. A writer like maybe Rachel Hollis, right? I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Who says that all that really matters is how bad you want those dreams and what you're willing to do to make them happen. These are people that are coming out of the church teaching these things when we know that's not what the Bible teaches. And we all know a friend or a family, right? Remember who, who one day was going to church and then one day just stopped and now they're too good for church but don't want to have nothing to do with church, right? We all know those people. So those are examples just in our time. These are people coming from the church. And that's, knowing that is very scary. I mean, think about it. Someone who you can possibly maybe have sat next to for many years may now be trying to convince you of something or teach you about something that is not true. I could be sitting next to my best friend and we've been going to church for 15 years together. Every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then one day he starts telling me, bro, this is all lies, man. This is like this. This is like that. These are your people that you're in the church sitting with. That's why I think it's so scary. But there is good news, right? There's always good news. The good news is that we can discern from the false teachers and the true teachers. The good news is that we are given the capability to know the truth. And we're given the capability to know what is false. We have that. It's given to us. And it's important that we understand this because it seems like we're in a time that the problem is no longer how difficult it is to speak to the unbeliever, but how difficult it is to speak to the so-called believer who is constantly preaching false things. I have this debate with my father-in-law. He thinks, oh, it's so easy for you to preach. You're doing it at church. It's harder to preach those who don't believe in God. I'm like, really? So you see the people that I talk to that say they believe. I'd rather talk to an unbeliever than a believer because it's so much difficult to convince someone who's so caught up in false teaching that what they believe is false. They're easily, that the unbeliever already knows that you're a believer and you know they're an unbeliever. That's easy. That's already. But now we're talking about two people that are supposedly believe in the same thing. Everybody wants to hear something that makes them feel good and makes them all powerful, right? But then we, we don't want to hear that Christ is above everything, right? And when we get into that, it's very easy to fall in, into those false teachings. At least to me it is. Very easy. So then how can we identify the many antichrists? I think that's the main focus. That's, that's what I want to really get out from here. And I don't have so much because I don't want to overwhelm you with stuff because I really want you to hold on to this. Because I think this is going to be very important the next couple of years. Even weeks, maybe months. I'm not, I'm not prophesizing nothing. Okay? I'm not prophesying. This is not a prophecy. I'm just telling you. Okay? And the Bible is clear on what's going to happen. I'm just, no. Okay? Don't put this on YouTube, all right? And here's where John switches the attention on those who are non-believers. And he focuses down on those who are believers. So if you are a believer, this is for you. And this is for those who already understand, those who know God, and those who understand. There are two ways a believer will be able to identify an antichrist, but I'm only going to show you one today. Right? We'll do one on, on, on Wednesday. Because a believer, if you're a believer, you will know through the anointing that you will receive. You'll be like, whoa, okay, anointing, oh, here we go. 
another really big word that probably means a lot of different things, right? So let's take a look, right? Look at verses John, First uh, John two, t- verse twenty says, "But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge." So that means if you're a believer, you have an anointing. So you will know. You have knowledge. So John is saying you can identify those who are antichrist because since you're since you're true believers, you will have a special common anointing amongst, among all of us. We all have this anointing. If we're all believers, we all have this common anointing. It wasn't like you were giving a little more than I was. No, we all have it. Okay, so what am I asking about what is this anointing, right? Whoa. What is this anointing you're talking about? When the New Testament speaks of anointing, it speaks of, it speaks of it as a common property of all believers. It means that all believers have this. This anointing is a revelation of what is truth. With this, you will be able to discern from the false teaching and the true teaching. Now, John is not saying that you have absolute knowledge. Okay, you gotta be careful. And then you start going, well, I, I mess up sometimes. Does it mean that I'm not a believer? Right? He's not saying you have absolute knowledge of everything. But you will have the capacity to recognize what is true and what is not. You're going to have that capacity to do so. So what exactly is this anointing? And it's very easy. What is this anointing? The Holy Spirit. There's nothing complicated about this. It's the Holy Spirit. You will have the Holy Spirit. And that's who Jesus is referring to when you go to John chapter 16, verse 13, when he says, when the Spirit of truth comes... See, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. When you have the Holy Spirit, He will guide you to know the truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but, he, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. So how do we obtain this anointing? It's alright, everybody wants it. Let's get this. I want this. Right? So this is not something that you can go out and buy. You cannot give to the church enough to receive this anointing. You cannot do enough to receive this anointing. It's not about works that we receive this anointing. It's not about how much money you can give to receive this. You receive this anointing. You receive this Holy Spirit from Christ Himself. This is a gift of the Spirit. He's and he's a teaching ministry enabled them and it enables us to actually know the truth. What the Holy Spirit does is what allowed them in their time and what allows us in our time to know the truth. And this is given to you when you get to that point in time that you start to follow Christ. The moment that you're born again the moment where you just born again, because this is not something you're not born again in the process. You're born again in an instant. That moment you're born again, that gift is given to you by Christ Himself. Which means. Sorry, my notes just broke. There we go. Sorry. Cut that out later. (laughs) Which means that if you're not of Christ, if you're not in Christ, you don't have it. You don't have that Holy Spirit. You don't have that anointing. You cannot tell what's right from what's wrong. We may have some ideas because society says this is right, but we're just going by what society is saying. 
or what we think. And at any point, that can change. And that's why the Bible says you're living in darkness. Because you don't have what it needs for you to live in the light. Because having possession of this anointing is what allows you to see clearly. That's when your eyes are open. That's when you can see the truth. That's when you can make, at that point, really have a free will to make a real decision. Because before then, you're just limited by what you're slave to. Like I mentioned before, it's not that you have full knowledge, but you will develop it as you mature in your faith. Right? The Holy Spirit doesn't come and you, oh, I know everything now. That doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that. It's something that's given to you, but it's developed through times as your relationship with Christ grows and your maturity in Christ grows. It's like a, it's like a baby, right? Baby's born the majority of the time, unless there's some kind of defect. The baby's born with its two eyes, nose, a mouth, two, he- two ears, hands, feet. But the baby can't walk, can't talk. He can use an iPad, but he can't read. <laughs> he can't do any of that stuff. That doesn't mean the kid doesn't have the capability of reading, writing, walking, touching things. He doesn't. It doesn't mean that. It just means he has the capability. He has the tools that he needs. He just hasn't learned it yet. So that's us. We're given the capability when we came to Christ, when we were changed, when we were born again. But now we have to, you know, learn. Now we have to go through the process of understanding all the truth. So what does this mean? So basically when a person is saved, that person receives the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit enables the believer to discern between the truth and the error. When you have it, you're going to start noticing the truth. And you're going to start noticing what the errors are. Right? You have to understand that John was telling them this not because they didn't know. So I'm not here the same way. I'm not going to take what John is saying and be like, okay, I'm going to use it my way. No, the same way. You know. You understand. But this is a warning. This is him telling, hey, remember that you can't know the truth and you can know what's false. You don't have to wait for me to tell you. The same way, you don't have to wait for me to tell you, hey, what you guys are doing is wrong. Hey, that's false. You don't have to wait for me. You know. You have the anointing. You know. You can do this on your own. Yes, he will use us, teachers and brothers and sisters, to help us understand and grow. But this anointing is yours. We all have it. And I don't know if you ever have been deceived by anyone, right? I've been deceived by a few. I'm sure probably all of us can agree that it sucks. Somebody deceives you for whatever reason it is. It sucks. You don't like it. And no doubt we're living in a time where it's hard to kind of trust anyone. You, know, you think, oh, yeah, I can trust this guy. And then next week he's voting for Trump or something. I'm like, whoa. I'm not saying don't vote for Trump. That's not what you're talking about. Okay. You, do, you do what you're going to do. But I'm just saying one day you can trust somebody. Your best friend, the next day he lets you down and all of a sudden, wait a second, I don't think I can trust this guy anymore. That happens to all of us, even with our own family. And he sucks. We can tell that clearly the world is lost. And we can kind of start seeing the church kind of follow those examples. The world is lost, so there goes the church too. Now the church is starting to preach nonsense. Everything that the world wants to hear, the church wants to teach it. You see, teachers, preachers, even whole denominations have become part of this group of the many antichrists. So we're not just talking about individual people. We're talking about groups of churches who all came together and said, let's preach this nonsense. And they have. And you all better be preaching this nonsense or you ain't part of this group anymore. 
But how great is it that we have a creator and a savior that not only speaks truth, but gives us the capability to know truth. I mean, it's not like he just, not, you're not going to figure it out, don't worry. No, he gives it to us. He loves you enough to give you something that allows you to understand and know the truth, the Holy Spirit. I mean, how amazing is to know we don't have to worry about being spiritually deceived because he has given you the capability to know. And let me tell you, I sometimes worry when I'm listening to a, to a teacher or reading somebody's uh, uh, post message on Facebook or maybe a YouTube video that someone sent me that sounds really good. Sometimes I'm like, this sounds too good to be true. Right? And you kind of get worried. Do, do I like this too much? And my wife, has she heard the song. And she goes, hey, listen to this song. I was like, okay. She goes, I don't think that song sounds right. No, you're just scared of liking that song. It's not that it doesn't sound right. It sounds perfectly fine. It just sounds so good that you're scared. We're scared sometimes. But we have this spirit that allows us to understand truth and false. But we have to develop the discernment and for all that, we have to start by spending more time in God's Word. And man, I say this a lot. Man, I'm always saying that. You got to read your Bible. You got to read your Bible. Right? To a point where someone's annoying, read your Bible. Study. Study your Bible. But, it's, but I do it because of how important it is. There's nothing more that the devil wants for anyone of us to do is replace the Bible with another book. And I'm not saying reading books are bad. You do not replace the Bible with a book, no matter how good that book is. It could be by an awesome teacher, awesome theologian. You do not replace the Bible with that book. The Bible is the Bible. The Word of God is the Word of God directly. You can use those as tools to understand the Word of God, but the Word of God itself you cannot replace. And he loves for you to read something else. And let me tell you, he's read the Bible more than all of you to put together. The devil knows it front and back. And I have people tell me, oh, I've read the Bible 200 times. The devil knows it more than you have. And he knows the truth. So he knows if you don't read it, you ain't going to know the truth. So therefore, he can lie to you. Because you ain't going to know the truth. You ain't reading it. Scripture is the living word of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that lives in you and that enables you to walk in the light. So you can't just end the day without reading the Bible. You can't. You can't do that even without praying. You just can't. Don't end the day without reading God's word. This is the same spirit we're talking about. The saying, hey, the spirit is the one that's going to help you understand the one that wrote the Bible. Same one. Those are his words. So if we're not reading his word, we're not doing nothing. And we must also stand firm on our convictions. When these antichrists come your way to stray you from your path, don't flinch. They're going to come at you. They're going to make you feel bad because you're making them feel bad. They're going to make you feel bad because you're the only one in this neighborhood that believes that garbage. That's what they're going to say to you. That's what they tell me. They're going to make you feel bad. But don't flinch. Even if somebody you love, even if you're standing out, even if you're the only one there going against the current, don't flinch. Stay firm and continue to confess Christ and His truth. Because that's what's true. It's a lot of stuff that's not true. That's what's true. And lastly, we have to stay focused on Christ. We are called to follow one shepherd, one master, one Lord. So we have to set our mind and keep our mind on Christ alone. Just on Christ. Not on men, because we're all going to fail each other. The moment we, all of us, and we fail, we're going to be disappointed, and we're going to be let down, and we're going to hate the world. Oh, I can't believe you did that to me. 
but we focus on Christ. We look at Christ and stay focused on Christ. Because the Antichrist is going to come to distract you. He's going to come and do whatever it is he can do to get you to stop thinking of Christ and focus on yourself and what your needs are. And it's all about you. And it's about me, me, me. And I want my ideas. And I want people to like me. And I want to feel good about everything. And that moment that comes into your life, that's the, anti, that's the devil using whatever method, person, the Antichrist, whatever he's using for you to believe that's what's important. What's important is Christ. You focus on him, everything works itself out. When that happens, you have to remind yourself that Jesus is the center of everything. And I'll just finish with this, and, and I'll have my brother Doug finish us off, uh, and close us off. And we do all things not in our own will, but dependent and led by the Holy Spirit. Right? This is, don't try to do this on your own. Don't. You can't. Let the Holy Spirit do it. Right? Let God be the one to lead you. Don't do this on your own. You're not going to. So many times I tried. I can't. Because there is nothing better than to have stability in our faith, have strength when we are tested, understand the Bible accurately, detect errors, live with confidence, and without fear of any superstitions. There's nothing better than to live like that. We may have hope. We may have uh, doubts. We may have struggled with certain things, but at the end of the day, if we know God and we allow, allow the Holy Spirit to, to let us see the truth, we're going to have joy and peace in our heart. We're gonna... Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect or listen to our library of sermons, jump right over to our website at www holycitychurch.us Again, we want to thank you for listening and remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church. Holy City Church